Okay, you messaged me yesterday at 5.03 p.m. Without looking at your phone, do you recall what you messaged me? No. Bone tomorrow, which tomorrow is now today. So bone tomorrow. Yes, bone sir. Bone being Paul Hamilton. For those of you who may not know who Paul Hamilton is, bone is Paul Hamilton. WGR 550, Sabres beat reporter, and he's going to join us. Why is he coming on? Why are we? Why did you suggest Bone today? Rookie I training know camp. why, but why? Training camp. Rookie training camp. They played a number of games this weekend. Um, it was awesome because uh, my oldest son uh, went to the first game where they played Montreal because my son's a huge Montreal Canadian fan because he was born and raised there. Um, and uh, I just want to I want to get uh, the take on all these young guys. I did not watch any any rookie stuff. I you know, for me, I refuse to watch the rookie stuff. I don't care about it. That's why uh, I, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, so you don't care about it. I don't care about it. So let's talk about it. Yeah, because the people that actually listen to our show might want to, you know, know. Oh, so we have to be how phony, is, so we have to go talk about something that we don't care about just to appease the masses. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Because those guys right well, there. Aren't there? Listen, this is those this guys is, right there are going to be running our team in three, four, five years from now. I don't see it that way. I don't think half these young guys are even going to be here. I think they're all going to be traded away for pieces to bigger players. Although, I, oh, I got to say this, though. I got to say this. I ran into one of the Sabres players, roster players, um, this weekend. Saturday, actually, ran into him. Okay? Okay. And casual conversation. Very short, very quick. But uh, he said, hey, here's something for you as it, as it uh, he didn't say as it pertains because hockey players don't know how to use the word pertains. But he said, for, uh, for your podcast, he goes, here, use, use this. Because he knew that we had a podcast. So not a usual suspect. But anyway, he said, Coolidge. Yes. He said, this kid, he said, is like, he's like, I need to check his birth certificate. It's like his jawline, his the way he's built. He said he. I wouldn't be surprised. He said if he played games this year. Now, granted, I was thinking in my head, just you just stick to playing, and let the general manager decide who's going to get games. But he's basically putting this kid on a pedestal ahead of all the other kids because I think some of these young guys were here skating with the vets before rookie camp. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I know but there's anyway, a number of uh, the NHL guys are in town. He's like, if Coolidge could grow a beard, he said, I would think he was 35 years old, the way his demeanor is and all that stuff. So just keep an eye out for him. Great. Order the rings, man. <laughs> no, that's one I, guy. That's just one guy. I know Yuri Coolidge has, has uh, you know, he was the, what, third first round draft pick that we had uh, in this year's draft. Yeah, he was one of the three from this year. You that say be, we? No, the no, I, I I say we because I I listen. If I was talking about Montreal Canadiens, I'd say we. If I was talking about the San Jose Sharks, I'd say we, because I played for those teams, so I feel like I'm still a part of uh, what they do. Uh, I I obviously am more versed on Montreal, Buffalo, you know, San Jose. I don't I don't uh, tend to associate with uh, my cup of coffee that I had at the end of my career with Columbus. But I say we because it, it's just because I played on the team. Um, there's a lot. I mean, there is a lot of young talent in this organization. It's the number one organization 
in the NHL for young talent. And that's why I want to talk to Paulie Hamilton today. Um, I listened to a couple of uh, a game that he called. Do you hear? Did you hear him? Have you ever heard him call a game? I've definitely heard him call a game. I didn't hear him call pretty any impressive. of these games. No, it's he's pretty good. impressive. Um, but I loved it. I I, I listened to it uh, for for a few minutes. I shouldn't say a few. Probably about half an hour. And uh, I'm just excited to hear what he saw what he's seeing in these young guys. Cause there's a lot of guys. And I mean, a lot of guys that uh, are, are raising eyebrows. So I want to have him on. I want to, I want him to tell us he's, he's an awesome guy. He's played the game. He's been in the environment. I want him when he's talking to these guys after the games, I want to know personalities, what his thoughts are on these, on these uh, high end kids coming up. So, okay. So you're, you're not, you're using him exactly what i'm doing <laughs> okay all right well i'm completely down for this what's up bone how you doing man hey guys how are you good to be with you again well it's uh let's just be flat out honest you you didn't hear our open craig messaged me yesterday he's like bone tomorrow and i'm like sure go for it so this is uh this is all about you and craig so you can sit craig is flat out using you for you <laughs> This is basically he's he's going to school. You're his professor. He's just using you for all your knowledge, and then he'll regurgitate it later as his own. Petey and I were chatting about the prospects, uh, you know, the rookies that are coming into town. I don't want to watch it at all. Like, no, at all. Why? Uh, why? Because I don't feel like watching, uh, you know, uh, the rookies play. That's just me. Um, so you're not going to come be my color person on the radio for, for the last game today. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Bone. Petey, Sorry, and I did a, Petey and I did a couple of games together oh, a few me. years ago. Bone, we already know. Everybody <laughs> knows because Petey was patting himself on the back about how great you guys were and you crushed it and all this. Petey, oh, you want to come do today's game? One 30. <laughs> Always thinking about it. Sure. There's there's a seat right next to me and Rob Ray ready for you. Is Rob talking too? Rob's talking on the TV. You'll be talking with me on the radio, but you'll be sitting next to him. I know, but do we have to talk to Rob? <laughs> no, you you can ignore him. All right. Impress me today, Bone, and maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can relive the old days. Petey likes reliving the old days, doesn't he? Oh, I you know what? I'm not allowed anymore. But I mean, I <laughs> listen. We we relive the old days when we talk about prospect camp. I mean, in all seriousness, does it seem to you because you've been doing this for for hundred years, Paul, since Traverse City? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like you've been covering like the Sabers for how many years? Mm, I've been at GR, I think 27 years. Maybe? Okay. So do players come to training camp with the same kind of fear in their eyes now that they did 26 years ago? No, Rob and I had a conversation the other day. He goes, can you imagine if we had these games when I played? it would have been five hour games. It would have been fight after fight after fight after fight. Yep, correct. You you know, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, you know. And, and he goes, There's no, we wouldn't have got the game done. He goes, You couldn't have had these games back then. Well, you know what? PD and I, a couple episodes back, were talking exactly that. We were talking about, you know, our experience because, you know, 
rookie camp was opening and the nerves of these young players going to camp, I was terrified. Like I was really, I was, I was super, super nervous, super scared. Um, and, uh, you know, playing in the, we, we had the same tournament style where there was like, I think there was four teams that all came in. We all played each other. Those games, the last eight minutes of those games, you, all you had, you, you were praying. And I mean, praying that the games were one goal games. Okay. Like a three, two or a two, one, because if, if it was a six, nothing game, the last eight minutes would take an hour mm. and you would have nobody. And I mean, nobody on the bench at the end of the game, because everybody would get kicked out for fighting. Yeah. But guys that were looking to impress do, by doing that, they didn't care about the outcome of the game. They knew the, they knew the, yeah. the, the games didn't matter but, anyway. What but guys, getting there been two games so far, you know how many fights have been in the two Sabre games? One. And that's yeah. because uh, somebody went after Slokowski, the number one overall pick. One of the Canadians took exception. And there was one fight, and that was it. There was there had been a lot of pushing and shoving and yakking, but there, as far as actual fights, there's been one in two. So, games. so Paul, my my oldest son, um, went went to uh, the Montreal game, the first game, and he you you can tell me his thoughts when watching him. He said he he's like this guy is a man child mm-hmm. amongst Absolutely. boys right now. Um, did he did he represent that number one overall pick properly? Is he that good? He was the first of all, he was probably the second biggest man on the ice behind uh, Komarov, the defenseman for the Sabres. He's huge. He's just huge. Not afraid to use his size along the wall. He's got great speed, uh, great agility. The, the play he made, the hustle he made on the shorthanded goal that Montreal scored it looked like a nothing play Buffalo. The puck went back into the Buffalo zone. They're going back for it. And all of a sudden he took off. Like he was shot out of a cannon, got to the corner, won the battle. It looked like the Sabre defenseman was shocked, whoever it was and won the battle, found a guy in front pucks in the net, shorthanded goal. And that was all him. It was all hustle. It was all getting to winning, go winning a battle in the corner and winning a claim. I mean, it was, I don't even know if I'd call it a battle. I mean, he just went and got the puck Yeah, and, 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 and set it up. And now Montreal got no momentum out of it. That made it two nothing in the first period. The Sabres scored within a minute. And next thing you know, the thing was tied, but still, I mean, just to, to watch him make that type of a play. And that wasn't like a Wayne Gretzky, take it end to end type of play. That was a gritty play of, yeah. yay. You know what? I'm going to use my talent, but I'm also going to use, you know, I'm going to use my skill, but I'm also going to use some grit to go get this puck. Well, I, and I, uh, I saw somebody step up on him in a in a clip. There was a clip floating around the. Uh, the that's what started the fight. Oh, was it? Someone mm-hmm. stepped up in the in the right in the slot, right, and then uh, and and he didn't he didn't budge. Like I guess yeah, it was Slavkowski a good. Slavkowski hard- came down. He's a left-handed shot. He came down the right-hand boards, entered into the Sabres zone, cut to the middle of the ice, which is a no-no because you're going to get killed. With his head down. (laughs) He cut to the middle of the ice, and a a defenseman from from the Sabres came across to stand him up and blow him up. It was like hitting a brick wall. Slavkowski didn't move. 
Yeah. I and this was the guy. This is this is a very thick, big guy for the Sabres. This isn't an IT. I can't remember his name. He's not one of their draft picks or anything. Hit everything that moved that game. He's he was one of the only guys that body checked people and did it consistently. He he took, I believe, five penalties in that game, including the fighting penalty that he got. Uh, Montreal three power plays all were because of him. And no. <laughs> were they bad? Were they bad penalties, Paul? Um. They were high hits. He likes to hit in the face. Guys coming down, he'll step up and he'll he'll get you right in the face. So they were. He got himself in trouble with some high hits. And he's not going to be playing many games in any league if he's doing that. Yeah, and they were hard hits. I mean, he sent people flying, and he also did the old step up, take a hit, take himself out of the play, and have a three on one go the other way because he All totally right. took himself out of the play in the neutral zone. I love the hit. I mean, I enjoyed the hit because it was not something you see in hockey much anymore, but it was it totally took himself out of the play. But uh, he played a little bit in the AHL last year, mostly an East Coast guy. Played about four or five games with Hartford last year. Zach Brizola, and he plays kind of like an East Coast guy, old school, you know, always hitting, okay. always trying to get after somebody, all, taking himself out of the play sometimes to make that hit. But he was really the guy that was every time he went out there, he was hitting. But the hit was high. It's always it's up in the face. And that's why he wound up with five penalties. One was a fighting penalty because of, you know, as we discussed with Slavoski or Slavoski, yeah. that, that he, he made that hit. But uh, it, it's just uh, you know, it, it, I enjoyed watching him play. But he was the guy that wound up in the only fight that I've seen so far in this tournament. Something so to work with, Paul. At all, something to work with, maybe a minor league guy, uh, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth guy in the minors that you just kind of can slot in there or no? No, just because now he did have a nice assist on a play where, you know, they went back and forth. He got the puck through. They wound up uh, scoring the goal because uh, you know, they had guys in front of the net. And so so it was one of those greasy goals that you, that you like to see. Um, he has a little bit of offensive touch to him where he can get the puck around in the offensive zone, but no, nobody I, I would see that would wind up that they would even sign to go to Cincinnati or anything like that. Okay. So talk about some of the other guys, the, some of the main guys that are there. I mean, you know, you got Matt Savoy, you know, Coolidge, um, there, there, there are lots Is of Osland, uh, I can't No. No, okay. he's anybody who has their European season that's already started or college okay. season that's already started. That's why the Sabres have. Well, Beck Warm is a Rochester free agent, not a Sabre property, but signed by Rochester. And then Sukanik, their other goaltender, is an invitee from Tri-Cities in the Western Hockey League. Uh, so that's why they have two basically goaltenders nobody's ever heard of because their goaltenders are either in Europe or in college. You know, there are four goaltenders that are in their system. So it's basically junior players. You know, that no, that, no Paterka, no Jack Quinn, no, they Owen decided Power. they decided they didn't need those types of guys to do this again. Uh, they, they wanted to see more. They wanted Savoy to get the ice time. They want to kiss a cough to get the ice time. Rusick. Uh, now, now, now the two guys, they're going to change their names again. It's Kulik, like Kodalik. Yuri Kulik is how we say that one. And it's Itzak Roseanne. Not Isaac Rosen. It's no, Isak Rosen. You know, and you know what? And 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 Al Kotalik, <laughs> okay, was Alex Kotalik. I remember he, that until he made it to the Sabres. So when you make it to the NHL, then you can absolutely change your name. But until then, I'm calling him whatever I want. You remember when you had to earn your number? 
that's that's they don't do that anymore. Kulik is 27, Lucas Rusick's 13, you know, that that type of thing. So you, you remember Jack Eichel showed up and he had to wear 41 <laughs> when he first showed up because he yeah. hasn't quote earned his number yet. Yeah. I don't can I tell you something? I don't know why. I don't know why Jack Quinn's not there. I don't know why Paterka's not there. I don't know why Owen Power's not there. I don't know why these guys are not playing in this tournament. It makes oh. like Slavkovsky. Why is Slavkovsky there? He does not have to be playing in this tournament. He's he's just as entitled as any one of those guys are. If anything, the last thing I would want is for him to get hurt. I have no idea why these guys aren't playing. It only Quinn's going into his third pro season. So I think they're looking at it. You know, we want to see the guys that have been drafted in the last year or two for, for the most part. There are so a couple of the guys. ultimate rookie. Yeah. Now, now Philip Cedarquist, who who is somebody who's kind of been a late bloomer, he was drafted in 2019, but he just signed his pro contract this year. So this is his first time in North America. So that's why he's in the tournament. Now the so devil he playing pro hockey. Yeah, he did a little bit in the SHL, the Swedish Hockey League. Uh, not a lot, but he did it did play some over there. And uh, the the Devils do it differently. The Devils showed up with five guys who played New Jersey last year, including their goaltender Nico Dawes. And uh, that's why I thought the Saber prospects beating the Devils seven to four was a pretty good learning experience for that group. They're playing guys who have played games like 10, 15, 20 games in the National Hockey League and played in the AHL. I, 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 the Devils have been in the tournament a while. I, I remember these guys for maybe three years. So the Devils did bring guys who maybe like guys that you're talking about. Um, but uh, power, power is a different discussion. Power is somebody that is in the age group that we're talking about. I think they may just look at it. We want him to think he's an NHL player. Uh, is that possible? I mean, that, that, that that's why he wouldn't be around. The other two have been in pro hockey a little bit now, and I, I get the other two. Power, you know, he's a youngster. He, he just just was drafted, played eight, eight NHL games. I don't think it would have killed him to be in this. Yeah, but Riv, do you, what do you think, Riv? Am I am I being a stickler eight, for power? saying? Are we talking yeah, power? power? Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would not put him in this in, in this uh, environment. Like I I'm looking at on power to literally be a top four defenseman on my NHL hockey team. And I, I don't need him the going to play. I don't need him going to play some, you know, guy that just came out of the WHL and who's 18, just happy to be here. I mean, I I'm looking at Owen power to say, listen, get ready for the big boy season. I need you not only to be a player in the lineup. I want you to take off. I need you to, to really get in your mind that this is the team you're playing on. You're an NHL player. Let's get going. Prepare for it. I don't. I don't, don't want to put any added pressure already on him. He's a number one pick, about to play his first full season in the NHL. But I mean, is there any reason for me to think that the Sabers aren't sitting there saying, "We need this kid to be in the Rookie of the Year conversation for our team to be really good"? I'd be shocked if he is not in a discussion right now. Like to start the season, he is. What, what would you say? A top three Calder trophy prospect uh, for, yeah, for the coming season. Yeah. Now we're all going to hope that he can have a, what is that? The, the, the defenseman from uh, Detroit uh, cider. Mm-hmm. Cider. I mean, 
Are we looking for Owen Power to have some sort of semblance to that type of season? I would hope so. I would absolutely hope so. Yeah, I am. Absolutely. I'm looking for that. Is he the same type of defenseman, Paul? Do you think that he has the capabilities? I think he's a different type of defenseman. He's got, he's huge. First of all. So describe to me Mort Sider, who was drafted six overall, I think, right? Six overall. Describe to me a Mort Sider and how he plays the game. I think he has a more dynamic game, don't you think? Whereas, you know, he's more up in the play, you know, carrying the puck type of a thing in the offensive zone. Not that I, not that he can't play defense. That's not what I'm trying to say. Whereas I think power isn't going to wow you that way, but power does have speed to join the rush and get in the rush. Uh, He will get his points. I don't think he would like Sider would, but I think he's more of a complete defenseman. Whereas I, I never got worried about power in his own end at all as a rookie and he was a, well, I won't say it all. He did make some mistakes. I, I, that that's, we that's all, pushing. they all make mistakes. Right. So I don't care if right. you're in the league five years, eight years, 10 years, you're going to be making mistakes in the NHL. But he didn't make defense. a lot of them for nope. a guy who nope. just entered the league from college hockey. Uh, you know, he didn't make a lot of them. So and he I looked was like he was in, that. He looked like he was an injected into his veins. Like, uh, they gave him speed or something. Like, I mean, he was all over the place. He was like a gazelle just, Literally, he's behind the offensive net. Then he's back checking the guy. And, and and it was like, I was thinking to myself the whole time. I don't know if you thought the same thing, Paul, but I was like, holy shit, is this this kid is everywhere. And my first thought is I was like, I don't like it. I don't like this. This guy is everywhere. I mean, he is leading the rush. He's behind the net. Then he's back checking. Then he's across the ice on the other side where his partner is. And it, it was just. Do you think it's not? He, did you think it was not enough structure? Zero structure. Not enough. There was zero structure. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden by game, like game two and three, I was thinking to myself. I really like this. I really like this because. There's not a lot of defensemen that are six foot six, 220 pounds that are literally skating like this kid at the age of 19. And it doesn't cost him, or at least yes. in those games, it didn't. In those eight games, it really didn't cost him to play so what's, that way. What's going to happen is, you know, he's that young stallion that's just absolutely running everywhere. But as he gets older and a little bit more mature, he's going to hone down those skills. Okay. They're still going to be super dynamic because the skating ability is excellent. I, I, I'm going to hope that he really wants to join the play on that second level of attack, like get him going. Okay. It's, I don't think Rasmus Dahlin is the same type of player. Rasmus Dahlin does not skate anywhere near an Owen power. Rasmus Dahlin's puck moving ability got to be one of the, one of the top guys in the league. So they're, they're very different in a sense. I love just let Owen Power go. Let him go. And he's got the partner to do it. Yoki Haru. It's like he's he, Yoki Haru's got his back if something goes wrong, which I think is is a good and and I like the partnership between Darlene and Samuelson. Yeah. How and in the same play, how they can just they can just cross. And next thing you know, the other one's at right defense and left defense, and they play it equally as well. And the other team's like, oh, okay, we don't know what to expect from them. Are they going to switch? Are they going to stay? What What are they going to do? So I, I liked I liked the way they got together too. So, you know, getting back to what we were talking about, with that in mind, I just don't see what the point between that and Paterka 
and Quinn to have them around. And another thing is a guy I'd love to talk about here is Tyson Kozak, a seventh round pick, a centerman. He probably wouldn't be getting the ice time he's getting and showing the brass. This guy, you guys will love this player. This player, his two-way game is just mind-blowing. I mean, he is so good at always being in position, being the first guy back, breaking up the rush, and then starting the offense the other way. In the first game, he scored two goals, and and yeah, the second goal was a beauty. I'll, I'll describe that in a minute, but that's not why I thought this is guy is the star of the game. It was the way he played the game. It was the shorthanded opportunity, the way he produced it. He's killing penalties, does a great job. The puck goes out to the neutral zone, and thanks to him. He takes off the the defenseman. Thought, well, be, I'll be all right. This is this is nothing. And instead of coming down the left wing and just winging a shot at the goaltender, he took the puck to the net, made a nice move to the backhand, and scored. Yeah, and I thought. Well, here's another part of this guy's game that that, that, that just just complements what I've been watching. And Michael Pekka talked about him. Am I allowed to talk about Michael Pekka? <laughs> oh yeah! Wow. I mean, so you're well, you're. You what do you can, mean? Because <laughs> when he when when who's when, Michael Pekka? Okay, <laughs> a former two way player for the he, Buffalo Sabers. Is he the third him. best team player from that very <laughs> mediocre '99 team that Craig talks about? You know, oh, he he raved God, about this Craig, guy. You know, just seeing him at, at development camp, saying, "I this guy's not a seventh round pick in my mind," uh, from what we've seen, and this is a legitimate prospect that they have, but. If those other guys that we're talking about are here, maybe Tyson Kozak doesn't get a chance to show us the type of player he is and what that he's type a bona fide. Is he though, though, Paul? Is he a two-way penalty kill guy, energy guy? Um, is he does is hockey IQ real? Because hockey IQ is and, way up there. And and I think a guy game, who who I, I I really think you will see him in a saber uniform eventually, whenever that might be as a two-way guy in the bottom six who can help produce, you know, I'll give you, 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 let me give guys you in your bottom six that can, that can help you too. The, you, the days of having guys who score three goals in your bottom six are over. And that's what I, I think he will be. And I think you will see him in a Sabre uniform. Uh, you let, know, let me give you a stats here, years. Riv, just, just to give you an idea. And I'm going to go. So, Last year in Portland with the Winterhawks, he played 66 games. He had 32 goals, 37 assists, 69 points, plus 25. Okay. Now that's great. That's but his, look at him the year before. Look well, at how much he improved. Well, that's that's the that's where I want to go for a second. I'm not even gonna go to the year before 2021 in his draft year because that, that was a that was a COVID shortened season. Okay. So and then you go to the year before that when he was a a, a true rookie in Portland. 63 games, 13 goals, 16 assists, 29 points. But here's the best part about this, okay? As a rookie in the WHL, probably not getting a ton of power play time, okay? So he's putting up 29 points. He was a plus 27. He only had 29 points. It's not like he has 90 points. He was a plus 27 with 29 points. In 63 games. So, I mean, to me, that spells somewhat responsible, you know, in, in your game. I will say this. 
we have talked about this at length many, many times over the years. And we talk about draft age, the age of these draft picks. Okay. And I think just me personally, I think it should be a year later because you have players that dominate through youth hockey into the OHL. They're physically and mentally more mature. And you have these later blooming type players that are 18, 19, and 20 that really start to come around, which is a player like we're just talking about right now. Tyson, let me stop you for a second. They have two others, Josh Bloom and Olivier Nadeau, who was in the Memorial Cup last year, producing. Look at their stats a year or two. They were non-existent, you know, and the Sabres take them and we're looking at their numbers going, why did you just draft a guy that scored four goals last year? You know, because, you know, they look at it, they, they are able to, all right, we like this player. We think this player is going to catch fire type of a thing as he, Craig is just talking about, as he gets into his junior career, both of them had great years last year. Unfortunately, Bloom got hurt in the first game and we didn't really get a chance to see him in this tournament. Nadeau is already hurt, but same thing as Kozak. Where well, he w- the, the Josh Bloom, in his first year in uh, the OHL, played for uh, Saginaw Spirit. He had six goals and 14 points mm-hmm. as a 16-year-old. So barely played. This is a kid that is still trying to develop his game. Okay. His next year, 30 goals, 61 points in 67 games. There is a massive jump between one year to the next because the physical and mental maturity in some of these younger players, it takes time. And I believe that we need to allow, like we're looking at, oh, this kid went in the second round. Well, he might be better than your, your first, second, and third round in, in, in two, three years from now. It is all about continuing development. Okay. When you, when you're drafted in the first round, Man, I mean, you got to really screw things up not to have an opportunity. But the second, third, fourth, fifth, I mean, they're all draft picks. They all should be on the same uh, playing field. Okay, I don't care if you're drafted in the second round or the seventh round. You continue to develop mentally and physically. And whatever you do with that, you will have an opportunity later on. That's all I'm saying. So I like to hear these stories about guys like Josh Bloom and, and, uh, you know, this Olivier Nadeau, man. I mean, he exploded this year, but I mean, Paulie, the year before he had 45 points in 34 games. Did he, did he have a good year the year before too? Do you know, do you know what I love about today's? So the Nadeau kid was, I watched him in the Memorial cup. Is that the kid you're talking about? Paulie? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know what I love about today's NHL versus back when we were drafted in our time and then shortly after is that now teams aren't so vested in these first, second round picks because they're only giving them 95000 a year for a signing bonus. They're not getting they're not getting a million bucks. So now your seventh rounder after two years is 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 just as important is being given just as much opportunity as the guys that are maybe not first rounders they might get really really close attention but the second third and fourth rounders those guys that are drafted three four rounds ahead where 
anyone after the fourth round when we were drafted, Riv, with the exception of guys that that they were like pink flying unicorns if you saw them in the league. <laughs> yes. Yes. There was zero chance that those guys every were year ever you get one or two guys that would make it out of you know from five, six, seven, eight, nine. I had nine rounds in my draft. Craig, you might have had ten or eleven. But all I'm saying is those guys would never have been given a sniff. They would have been sent down and never even given an exhibition game. Fifth round picks and seventh round picks were very rarely even signed. Right. Yeah. Let me right. give you another one. Philip Cedarquist, fifth round pick in 2019. Huge kid, big kid. You know, he scores a, a goal. He gets in front of the net. He takes a Craig Ravage cross check. They can't knock him down. Slap shot. Goaltender makes a save. Dawes makes a save. He's right there to pop in the rebound because they can't handle him in front. I'm thinking, hey, there's a kid who wants wants to score. There's a kid who wants to pay the price. We get the chance to talk to him yesterday. You know what he tells us? He goes, I never went to the net before. He goes, when I was drafted, he goes, and before I got into the Swedish Hockey League, he goes, I never went to the net. He was timid. He, he didn't do it. And you know who helped him? The last, you know who he credits to get him to be fearless? Adam Mayer. He credits Adam Mayer for helping him in the last two years to, to be, and Adam, I guess, told him, if you're going to be a player, you need to be a guy who goes to the net and this is how you do it. This is how, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, talked him through it. I mean, Adam's not his coach, but you know how the development guys are always in contact. Yep. yep. And he's saying, if you're going to be a prospect for us, you've got to use that size. And Adam Mayer was a dirty. first round pick to the OHL. Adam Mayer was an awesome. Yeah. I watched him as an underage for the Owen Sound Platers play against my brother in Niagara Falls. Like, you want to talk about a guy, he he always had that edge to his game. Yep. But I mean, you want to talk about a guy that had to use that edge to the ability that he had and and maximize it. That's the guy, man. I mean, Adam Mayer was as tough. Well, the as AKA they... Scud Missile, um, yeah, Scud nickname Scud. <laughs> Listen, but here I we mean, are. He's Adam... taken this kid and made him into a bona fide prospect as a fifth rounder, who was drafted in 2019. So he's in his 20s now, at 22, somewhere in there, 22, 23. And now, you know, he's in North America after playing a little bit in the Swedish Hockey League and everything. He understands what it's going to take for him to be successful in pro hockey. And now, as I said, it was, a, you would have loved the goalies. It was great. He was, I know you don't really get cross-checked much or anymore or get knocked around anymore. He was getting knocked around in front of the net. They couldn't knock him down. And he, he wound up scoring a goal because I'll, I'll give you a prime example of who I'm talking about. When I say seventh rounders now getting more of an opportunity than ever. Okay. There's a player on the Sabres right now. That's a seventh round pick and he's making good money and he's scoring goals in this league. And he never, he would have been a career pro in Sweden if the game hadn't changed in the way that teams viewed later round draft picks. This guy would never have even come over to, to North America to play. He would have been playing in Moto or Fralunda. Oh, who is it? Victor Olison. Jesus, Riff. You've been watching this team at all? He was a seventh round pick. Victor Olsen. Well, Victor Olsen, uh, maybe you should start listening to Adam Mayer because he's got to go to the net more. <laughs> he doesn't have the size. Cedar okay, don't sidetrack what I'm trying to say, Paul. You get what I'm saying, though, about seven? Like, like you go back to him. He was drafted in 2014. If he has to sign by 
16, 17, 17, 18, teams weren't weren't going to maybe give him a shot. They would have they would have made room for their other first rounders, second rounders, guys that they had been given their five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars signing bonuses as young kids. You know what I'm saying? True. Yeah. All right. Let me give you another your guy you may when, see him. before you go there, Paul. You remember when Rasmus Dahlin came to this team, right? Mm-hmm. He's the number one overall pick in, in the NHL draft. He is an absolute stud. Everybody's telling, uh, you know, that, that this is the best defenseman drafted first overall since Dennis Poffin in 1984 or something like that. And when Ras- Rasmus Dahlin came to this team, the first thing that, the, that he said about Victor Olofsson is he has the best shot release out of any player that I've ever seen on a power play. You, you know remember, who told remember? me that? Who's it that? wasn't it wasn't him on the red carpet when when Darlene was up for uh rookie of the year Victor Hedman oh, I chatted with on the red carpet wow talked about the release of Victor Olison because he works out with him he goes hey. he goes he goes I don't want to face him he goes he goes yeah. with that shot he goes yeah, I've never seen anybody get a shot off like like he does because he's talking about Darlene of course That's and right. then we got into Victor Olison because I knew they worked out together and he just couldn't say enough about Victor Olison. Hey, Riv, Paul Hamilton just Derek Royed us. Oh, he just big wheeled me. Topper, like. Topper. We used to call Royzy Topper Harley. Topper Why Harley from Hot Shots. That was uh, Charlie Cause, Sheen's cause character. Because I said I was at the red carpet. Uh, well, no, because because Riv goes. Riv says, uh, you know, Dolly did say that Dali before this o- season started. Yeah, Riv says Olafson give him the puck and he'll score on the power play. That Darlene said that. And then you come in over the top, off the top rope with uh, Victor Hedman. Like, oh, so, sorry, Paul. Sorry, it wasn't. It wasn't good enough that Darlene already said it. You had to. You had to th- throw in there that Victor Hedman said it to you, Paul. To uh, you. Uh, no, that was the same interview that Craig asked Darlene what kind of underwear he wears. Um, <laughs> That's but before we get off this, uh, you, who was taken after Cedarquist? Lucas Rusick. Now, here is a guy that you may see in Buffalo this year. I mean, he last year in the playoff, remember he got the knee injury in training camp last year, missed almost the whole year, played, I think, 19 games with the Amherst, and then uh, got in the playoffs and got six points in 10 games. And they were important points. He was playing off, off a fourth line. But I'm sitting there talking to Seth Appert about him. He goes, let me tell you something. He goes, everybody in this team wants to play with him. They want him on their line because he's a smart player. He's a nifty player. He can play both ends of the ice. But some of the goals, some of the goals he scored were just really good goals going, going, taking the puck to the net or just using talent that he has to go to the net against the devils. He was by far the best player on the ice. Uh, made made a a great play, hustled behind the net, beat two Devils, and then made a great pass out in front for a goal. And he's the type of guy that I think, if in an injury situation, I think you'll see him in Buffalo this year. And here he, again, a wow. sixth round guy in 2019. But a, a, a probably he's not better. a kid though, Paul. He's not a kid. He's 23 yeah. years old. I well, to me, he's a kid. Paul, Paul, <laughs> tell me, tell me this. Somebody who's 31 is a kid to me. <laughs> I'm not challenging your knowledge, but I'm going to challenge. When? When do you see him in the lineup? How many people have to get injured off of this team? Like, we already have. I say we. There we go. Craig Guilty is charged. Aren't there already? I don't. There's no room on this team. Like, there's barely room not for Paterka. Not now. 
but yeah, there's you're right. There's barely room for Paterka. And you might have noticed in your tweet when you said, uh, "Is our Paterka was it both Paterka and Quinn?" Or is Quinn definitely in your lineup? Or I said, is, does Quinn? Yeah, I tweeted something about is Quinn automatically in the Who says that Quinn's not automatically in the lineup? And all I did is sent you an, an emoji with my hand in the air. Because yeah, you're I don't shit think disturbing. he is automatically. You don't um, think Jack Quinn's automatic? I think more than Paterka. I think, I think one of them, unless there's an injury during training camp, I don't think they both make the team. And not because they don't deserve it, but I don't need one of them playing on a bottom six, nine, nine minutes a day. I need them in the top six. And if they're not in the top six, go play on, go play 20 minutes. Well, isn't that the Rochester. general manager's job to open a spot for them? Then like there are easily, and that, well, that would have to be done with the trade because for me, to make room for me, Rasmus Asplund is in my top six with the way he played with cousins last year at the end of the year. I thought they both excelled. They didn't score, How long do you but I thought they both last. I think Asplund is a very, very good two-way player. I think he's very underrated. You just say top six? Yeah. You lost cousins. me at top. With, okay, with well, Cousins. Well, there's now, a benefit. If, if, if they if, decide if he's not gonna... Asplund's in the top six, Paul, there's a positive to Hold that. On, and that's Connor Hold Bedard. on, Paulie. But if, but if he's you not in the top say top six, six with Cousins? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Middlestead fit in? Left wing, probably. He's uh, left wing. Yeah. Somebody's got to play wing. And it's not Krebs. Krebs, I do not like it wing at all. So Krebs has to be at center. Thompson has to be at center. Cousins doesn't necessarily have to be at center, but I like him at center better than Middlestat. And Middlestat is totally willing to play the wing. And I don't notice that much difference in his game between the wing and center. So in my mind, the guy who goes moves to the wing is Middlestat. I don't know if that's in Don Granado's mind, but that's what's in my mind. Well, doesn't it God, matter we're going to have to start line? doing some lines, Polly. What do you think? You, well, you hey, know that hey. me and you, our, our wheels are turning right now. Make sure you clarify when you say you got to start doing some lines. Asplund, Cousins, and Quinn. Asplund, Cousins, and Quinn. Together. I'll start right there. Um, so who's that? Thompson, Asplund, Cousins, and Quinn. Uh, you've got uh, Thompson with Skinner and either Olison or Tuck. I don't care which one, whatever. And then you've got uh, – t- uh, Krebs centering Middlestad on the left wing and either Tucker Olison, whoever you don't have with Thompson. I think either one can play over the, up there. And then you've got Oposo with uh, uh, Gergensen's and probably uh, Vinny Hidestrosa. Of all the players you just mentioned, those are some of the worst line combinations I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I like them. Well, that's because you think, said him. I would have, never. Did, did you ever say you have Thompson line. playing uh, with with Skinner, Skinner and either Tuck or Olison? I, I I can both were very successful when they played with him up there. And then the other one would be on Krebs line with Middlestat. And what's what's your what's your line with um, Cousins, um, Asplund, and Quinn? Or okay. Paterka, whichever one of the two make the team. Where where is um where is Gergensen? Gergensen's is with Oposo and Hinestrosa. He's gonna center that Hinestrosa line. is gonna play center? No, Gergensen's is gonna center that line. I think we are missing the boat in utilizing Gergensen's or he's on the left wing and she she in centers that line and then Hinestrosa's not playing. What what did you just say? 
Riley Sheehan would center that line if Gergensen's doesn't. Kick him off the pod right now. Paul, Paul's done for the day. I got to tell you, man, Paul, you are, you are, you are. The optimism for Connor Bedard is through the roof with your lines. Connor Bedard. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want that. I want to see the Buffalo Sabres go the other direction, competing for that final wild card spot. Like, I don't care about Connor Bedard. He's not in the discussion for where I expect this team to go, how they're going to get there with the lines I just heard. And I'm not even just talking about your lines that you put together. I'm talking about the personnel on the forward line, the D set goaltending question mark. It's not like they have a lot of options here. Well, that's, those you know, are the, the, people, you know, well, you know what the problem the is? They have, have to too many, they have too many of the same options and that's the problem. Like there's no guy where you're like, he is your third line left winger. Like if Alex Kalorn were on this team, you're like, that's your third line left winger. That is, Oh my God, there's your dream winger. And then you find a dream right winger and you have a dream centerman for the third line. But when you're like, I don't know, third line could be Krebs, could be this guy, could be Middlestad, could be Cousins, could be Gergensen's, could be, you're sitting there saying like, yeah, everything's off the I, table. I get what you're saying because both Cousins and Krebs should be in your top six, but they both aren't going to be. One of them has to be in, in, that, in that line you're talking about. And it's not the line that you want to see formed. You're, you're right. They've got three, I want to say offensive lines, maybe, or well, offensive type world. players, offensive type players on those lines, except for Asplund, maybe Cousins. Cousins plays a different game than some of these guys. In the but, perfect world, Cousins would be a third-line center on this team. See, I like him better than you guys do. I think he's going to break out this year. I think he's an absolute top-six guy. I'm talking like modern-day third-line center, not like 1999 I mean third-line center. I mean forever and ever. He should be a top-six guy. I think you guys – I think he's going to break out this year. I, I watched every minute he played in that world championship. He was a stud, an absolute stud in that. Thing. Who was he playing against in the world championships? <laughs> <laughs> Was that uh, guys who have played? I mean, was that the team that they beat 20 to nothing? Yeah. (laughs) Was that the game where half those guys are like playing in the, those European leagues on in the second league? Come on, Paul. Still, he he did it. Dylan cousins will become a top two guy, a top two centerman on this team. When he shows more offensive ability. No, there's no question. And I, what I'm trying to say is, I think he will show more offensive ability. I mean, he's still young too. Like, I don't get me wrong. Everybody listening to this podcast, I'm not shitting on Dylan Cousins. I'm saying if you're going to put him as a number two guy, he's got to take control of that opportunity and be a number two guy. Casey Middlestat, who is loaded with hockey IQ and skill and passing, uh, you know, type player. He has the opportunity to be possibly a number two guy and gain control. Paige Thompson, one calendar year, this time last year. Was an eight goal score. Was an eight goal score. <laughs> and a and a 13 point guy. Now he's considered, now he's a 50 Hall of Famer, you know, if you ask, 50 Craig. million dollar guy. Who, who had a tremendous year. He took advantage of the opportunity given 
and he never looked back. And now Tage is solidified as that number one. Well, where's our number two? We don't have him right now. You're you're saying Dylan Cousins? It's either him or or Krebs. It's one of the two of them. No, I don't. I mean, okay. And you're saying we're going to do? You're saying it's Middlestad. I think Middlestad is more suited for center position than Krebs. That's just my opinion. You think Krebs is a good winger? No, I thought he was awful. I'm I think he. I think he's you. okay. I think he's a skilled hockey player, but I'm not going to. Absolutely is, but needs to be a centerman more than. Does he need to be a center, right? or is he just I can't play play wing? There's a big well, difference. Isn't that, isn't that the isn't that the same thing? No, because if I put him at wing, is he going to be a great centerman? Is he going to be a huge point producing guy? Has he ever been? He's going to be a huge assist guy. He's not never going to score goals. Has he been a huge assist guy? You know, throughout his career, he has not in the NHL. He hasn't. No. Last twenty eight games. Well, what about look what about Casey Middlestad? What about Casey Middlestad? Has a lot to prove coming off injury. And what did Maybe. you say about Casey Middlestad last year at this? At, you know, after his training camp, I thought he was one of the best players on the ice yeah. during training camp. Absolutely earned what he got, and injuries derailed him. But these are serious injuries that he had. How is mentally and physically is he going to be this year coming off that type of a year? I, I don't know. I'm just going to, I, I, I want to. I give apologize you a little information. for the interrogation, Paul, but I want to give you a little. Well, I apologize. We're having a conversation. <laughs> I love it. I love this. I want to give you a little information. Hmm? Krebs in his last year, junior. 64 games played. 19 goals, 68 points, minus 50. I have no idea what type of team he played on. I, I don't give a shit, Paul. You're never not minus 50 in junior, okay? He had 68 <laughs> points in 64 games and 19 goals. He's not a goal scorer because guess what? As a defenseman, I scored 19 goals. Yeah, no. Okay? We know he's not a goal scorer. There's de- that's definite. You know, he had 68 points. He's not. He's not a major point producer. Guys that are in their third year in that league should be getting a hundred points. He's a disher. Is he? Probably. I think he is. He's a have you not seen some of his plays that he made in the minors too? That he's a disher. Last year in the playoffs, he led the American Hockey League in assists until he was eliminated. He played three rounds. What what are you talking about? American Hockey League? <laughs> still it's still something. Well, it's <laughs> He it's he not, was not he was not an elite junior hockey player point producing wise not an elite mm-hmm. he he was minus in every single year that he played he is a he's a talented kid well he went he's he got, went to the uh, Winnipeg Ice in nineteen twenty played thirty eight games had only sixty points and he was plus eleven does that does that uh, suit but your... isn't that fall on Don Granado and his staff. To, to to make him a better hockey player when it comes to that? All right, so I guess what we're talking about right now is trying to figure out who is going to be this centerman. Is it going to be Peyton Krebs or is it going to be Casey Middlestat? You that's could what be right. I, I, that's, that's what we're my, talking about right opinion. now. I don't know what Don Granado is going to do. Don Granado probably already has it in his head what he's going to do, and it might be totally what you're saying. I, I think Jack. I Quinn, don't know. I think Jack Quinn's going to play with Quinn, uh, with Cousins. I think Aspelin is going to play with Cousins. I know. That's now what you I've have got. Cousins, Quinn, and Aspelin. Just why don't you like my line? That's your that's third exact, line. That's, that's exactly your third what line, I had. Paul. 
That's your third line. It could be. But could be. it could and be. And if it is, and actually, they they, grow. their quote, and I don't I don't number lines, their quote, second and third you line. You don't number lines, bullshit. Are gonna be totally, are gonna third be totally, line, Paul. Are going to be totally interchangeable. There's no, that's, that's the problem Petey was talking about. There's no defined line that can come out and, and, and be, give you, give you that type of an energy score, score, score when you need them, be, be sound defensively can go up against the other teams, you know, big lines. I'm and that's sorry, exactly what he's talking about. Four where, guys on my bottom six should never even be able to play on the top six. They are like, I'm talking, who's the, who's my guy from uh, Florida, Lomberg, like super fast, penalty killer, physical, like forget fighting. I want Lomberg, Gergensons and somebody else. He's like super that. fast, super energy. He knows his role. You got, I'm not putting, um, but it should be defined. And throws on the fourth line. Exactly. It should, be, it should be defined and it's not. Hinnestroza needs to play in order. He needs eight minutes to get into a fucking game. He like not, not 11 minutes total. Like that's the problem. Like you pay guys and put them in spots and underutilize their spots. And you like, and that's where teams falter. They have the, I'm not talking fourth line goons. And for those of you out there that are like, this guy wants Fighters. No, I don't. I want guys that know that they're never going to play on the second line. And that Who's they a may third never line play left on winger? the third line. What? Third line left winger. When I think of a third line left winger in this league, just for an example, because I watched this guy more than, than most, was Mason Marchman. Mm-hmm. He's six foot four. He's 215 pounds. He skates exceptionally well. He will hit and grind and scrap and push and protect. But he also puts up points. He scored, I don't know how many points last year, 45 points. That's what I want. That's but what that's I want. Thing. I agree with you guys, but they don't have that. Those people are not on their roster. So therefore you ask for one drafted well, a guy like that in 15 years. Paul. I know, but that's what I'm trying to say is you asked me for lines. I'm giving you lines for what they've got. Oh, they I know. Have, I know. Paulie. They and don't we're just, have we're just, what you're talking about. And we're just taking it. And out they need on. it. They and need it, but they don't have it. Don't take it personally. We're no, just I'm taking not. it out as on I said, you. As I said, we're having a conversation. There's nothing wrong with having <laughs> like a Casey, conversation. Like Casey Middlestat, I think is due. I think he's a hungry guy right now. That is. He's 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 put his time in to go through the bumps and bruises of of a pro hockey career. Okay, this guy's an eighth overall draft pick. He's loaded in with with insane skill set. Okay, he's ready to break out now. Just hypothetically, if he were to play with um, you know, Alex Tuck on the right wing and and Peyton Krebs, who is an unbelievable passer, he's got great skills. That line there could develop into a second line in in on on an NHL team, right? And maybe and, and you have Krebs and Middlestat who are interchangeable. Exactly. Whether it's center or wing. Exactly. What whatever you have there. And again, that's that's what I was talking about with a line. But like you've Alex got, Tuck, you've got, you've got should be playing with Thompson. He should be playing with Skinner because that's the number one line. And we haven't had a number one line here in like, I can't tell you in a decade. I don't disagree okay? with that. But when Olsen played with them, he was just as productive. So, but I don't disagree with what you're saying. 
I, I thought Tuck looked great on that line. I thought Olison looked great on that line. So whatever way Don Granado wants to go, I think he'll be fine with, with, with what he does there. If he thinks either Tuck or Olison is better on the Krebs line, then he can go either way on the Thompson line and, and be successful with it, I think. I Let's, personally would put Tuck on the line with Middlestat and Krebs. And the reason being, I think Tuck will do more to help those two other players. He's big. He's fast. He can shoot. He's going to forecheck properly. He can make offensive plays, but he's going to go to the net. Victor Olsen's not going anywhere near the net. Mm-hmm. He's got a, he's got a radius of 15 feet where he's not going near the net. That's just the way he plays. He's an outside perimeter shooter that's got like an absolute laser. Okay. And so, and that's just the way he plays the game. You know why that could be good for Victor Olsen to play with Jeff Skinner? Because Jeff Skinner is the exact opposite of Victor Olsen. Mm-hmm. Jeff Skinner, for a guy that has scored an ungodly amount of goals in this bloody league, goes to the net, takes a goddamn beating. He's awesome at tipping pucks. He's awesome at staying hungry. It's the best they and have at tipping pucks. He is unbelievable. And the guy's a, the guy's a star. Like the guy has scored an ungodly amount of goals because he's willing and prepared to do what it takes. And that is going to be great for Victor Olsen because Victor Olsen is going to be shooting from the outside. And guess where Jeff Skinner is going to be? It's going to be right in front of the net, getting his, getting the greasy goal. So I'm enjoying this conversation because I gave my lines and you flipped out that these are the worst lines you've ever seen. And now you're just repeating them as your lines. <laughs> hey, Paul. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Don't pat yourself in the bat yet. Don't pat yourself in the bat yet. If buddy. these are the worst lines you've ever seen, you're just hey, repeating what no, I no. said. <laughs> you, the whole conversation here is you saying to me that Dylan Cousins is going to be the second line center. No, he's not. He's going to have to work. It's become no, a. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. He's going to have to work. Nobody's handing it to him. But well, I you think, did. I think. I think he will earn. You it. did, Paul. No, I think he you will earn handed it. him a second line center position because I think he will earn it by the time the by the time the season rolls. Well, I think Casey Middlestat's going to earn it too. All right, and, and you Casey absolutely Middlestat. could be right. I'm not saying you're wrong. You absolutely could be right because Casey Middlestat has it in him to do it. Yes, there's no, yes, there's no question about that. We and saw I, it last year, and we saw it the year before. Once Granado got him off the taxi squad and playing, was he maybe their best player at, at that point? I mean, he, he finished up and was had a, had a great year. Paul, I'm going to tell you this. Right now, everybody looks at this organization and they say to themselves, is this, is this a playoff team? Or do they need another year to develop their goddamn players? They need another Sick and year. tired of hearing that. I know you are. Of course they need they're, that. They're, but, not gonna, they're not going to be in the playoffs this year. Well, let me tell but you But they this, better Paul. darn well be better than 75 points. Let me tell you this. If you have a top line that does what they did last year, if you have a second line that breaks out like Tage Thompson did, and I don't know who that's going to be. Could be Dylan Cousins. Maybe it's Casey Middlestad. Mm-hmm. But maybe those guys are 70-point players, okay? What happens if your third line, hypothetically, could be Middlestad Cousins? Let's say that they break out. This is going to be a playoff team. But in what, order, what if Jack Quinn shows up and scores goals? That's what I'm I'm talking about. If he if listen, if hey, Dylan Cousins me, is going to be a second line center, he needs Jack Quinn to break out. Jack Quinn can score 27 goals this year. 
Jack, we've seen Thomas Vanek do it. We've seen Jack Quinn score at a Thomas Vanek rate in the minors. And Vanner took a little bit for him to get settled into the into the NHL, but then he went on a run his rookie year. He had like 26, 27 goals. He he can have one of those years. He could even score 30 because he's not going to get abused like Thomas Vanek did. The game isn't even close to being as physical in front of yeah. the net or around mm-hmm. 10 feet from the net. You want Dylan Cousins to be a second-line center? That has to happen with Quinn and your love affair with Rasmus Asplund, he needs to go from seven goals to 20 goals and be an awesome defender too. Like, so there's a lot of things that need to happen. I think that they can happen, but that everything's got to be earned. Right, Paul? There's no question about that. There's no question. And I, you know, I I know we've been kicking it back, but I'm not anointing anybody, anything. I think I feel Dylan Cousins is a good enough player. He will earn anything that he gets. He should not be handed anything. And uh, there's no question. None of them should be handled, handed anything. I think the Sabres are going to go from 32 wins last year. I think they'll win 38 games. They lost. They lost a lot. They had 11 overtime losses, you know, and I think this year they improved that. They cut that in half and you take five of those, six of those, throw them on the 32. And I think you get an 80. So you think they're going to gain six games? I think they're, I absolutely think this team is, there'll be more than that. Okay. They went through seven goaltenders last year. I'm being conservative. We haven't even mentioned goaltending. This all goes down the drain. If goaltending doesn't improve. I mean, we're adding in (laughs) Labushkin. A guy who actually wants to be physical. Mm-hmm. You're adding in Owen Power, who is a is a great, great player in general. So the back end is going to be a stronger back end. The goaltending, they went through seven goaltenders last year. You don't think that they could have gained six wins by just having Craig Anderson play the majority of those games? That This team has the ability to be between 40 and 45 wins next year. I'm just, I'm just saying it. I, and I'm not a believer. I, I agree with Kyle Oposo, who's said to me many times, you don't years. Don't you don't pick up where you left off last year into the next year. It's a new season, but I'm going to be a, on this particular case. I'm going to put a butt on it in those last 28 games. They were on 103 point pace. That wasn't just five games. That wasn't just seven games. That was a 28 game sample where I thought they played very well, showed a lot of improvement. And they haven't made huge changes, but Craig just talked about the subtle changes that they've made on defense. They got tougher with one of their signings on defense. Their changes they made up front are guys coming up from Rochester, basically. I mean, they got rid of the dead weight that they had that uh, really they don't need anymore. And that's going to be replaced by, you know, some talented kids from Rochester. Do I think they're going to have 103 points? No. That's not what I'm saying, even though they were on 103 point pace for those last 28 games. But I do think they are they should be able to improve drastically on 75 points. They have a good schedule to start with in October. They better start well, because I think they're going to be fans in that building in October. Now, maybe not sellouts, but I think it's going to be a lot more fans than we saw last year in October who are like, hey, look at look at the prospects. Two games, two sellouts. People were all over that building. They were excited to be in there. They made some noise. They liked what they saw. Last year in April, attendance improved. It was up in the 300 level, but they like what they saw. 
you know, so they came back and, well, we're not going to spend the prices to sit down next to the glass, but all right, well, we'll spend a 300 level ticket to see if this is real and see if, you know, we can enjoy hockey again type of a thing. So I think fans are going to be around in October. And if they don't play well and don't have a good October, they're all leaving again. And, okay. and I think they have the schedule to have a good October and a good start. Well, here's here's my question. And uh, so what Don Granado has one year left on his deal. What does this year look like as a worst case scenario for him? I mean, is this a, is he here start to finish and next year, no matter what? Well, if I'm Terry Pagula and they have 75 points this year, I have questions for, for Don Granado and for Kevin Adams. It's like, all right, you've, you've had this plan. You, you've drafted these players who everybody who watches the draft thinks you had a great draft, thinks you have the best prospects in the national hockey league. And you're still sitting at 75 points and we're in the, we're in the draft lottery trying to pick in the top three again. How's that? You know, so I, if I'm the owner of this team and they have 75 points again, I have some serious questions for the uh, management and coach of this team. Okay. It's interesting. I, 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 cause I don't know. It just seems like, it seems like we are on a path here in Buffalo where, you know, in a couple of years, all that will be reevaluated. Like I feel like job security for Kevin Adams and Don Granato, regardless of what happens this year is there's no question there. And I don't if know you, if that's right or wrong because, because I'm going to be honest with you, it's been 11 years. So I have no idea what's tolerated anymore and what's not tolerated anymore. What's just completely unacceptable. If we had this conversation, way back when and we said can you believe the forwards the sabers have this year they've got eichel they've got reinhardt they've got o'reilly they have ovander evander kane look at the look at the talent that they have up front these are all very very good hockey players very good offensive players so we would we've been talking this is going to be a great year <laughs> nothing changed they were on the bottom of the league. How are you in the bottom of the league with those guys? I don't, I don't understand. Locker how room with morale. The, with, I know, how. I know, but with that kind of talent, how are you still in the bottom of the league? All right, let's fast forward. Well, I, I think that what I'm seeing, I like Kevin Adams plan. I, I like how he's executing his plan. Um, but it's gotta be better. It's gotta be better. It can't be 76 points. It's got to be drastically better than 75 points because next year I think is the playoff run. I don't think they'll make it this year, but I think they will next year. And, and they have to show that improvement and show that they're willing to do that. And 75, 76, 77 points doesn't get that done in my mind. How many points, how many let's, let's, you know, try and do, you know, break this down a little bit more. We're talking about the, the, this is not a playoff year. The Sabres last year had 32 wins and 75 points. Okay. Mm -hmm. How many wins do you predict with this, with this team this year, Paul? I don't do predictions. I don't know. Um, like, do you, are they going to score? You're going to say, well, how, 40 I, wins this you year? Say, you, you're going to say, well, you say they have to be at more than 75 points. How much more? I think it has to hover around 90. I, I think it has to be between 85 and 90 for me to say, yeah, they're, they're making progress. And now they're going to challenge for a playoff spot next year because 
Boston. Well, that's what I said. I said 87 points. I, I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I gave them six wins. I took six from the overtime 11. And, and Boston, and you look the, at this, this might be Boston's last hurrah. You're looking for, all right, who are they going to go in for? Well, the Rangers had to find a way to get in. The Rangers were never making the playoffs. They found a team to replace to be in the playoffs. Let's say Pasternak, he signed somewhere else. Bergeron retires. All that happens. There's your, there's a team right there where maybe you have a chance to replace them if your good young talent is as good as you think it is, and I think yeah. it might be. But again, they, I'll go back to what Craig says. They, it has to be earned. It has. They have to show it now. With what well, on paper, on paper, they have all this good young talent. Is Isak Roseanne a player? Is Alexander Kisikov, who's had a great tournament, a player? Is Matt Savoy a player? Is Yuri Kulik a player? Are these guys, you know, guys that can do more than, all right, the Sabres are great on paper. You know, they're, they're the yep. paper guys right now. Well, now, you know, they have they have to move forward with these guys. And so, yeah, all right, I'll say between 85 and 90 points. What And Petey said 87, so I guess I'm repeating him. Yeah, I actually made a mistake. I took six from the overtime losses, which would only be six points. But you got to take some of the – you got to take – you got to have less than 39 losses as well. So, you, I mean, you got to you got to win some of those one Well, the Sabres last year losing. in 82 games had 32 wins, 39 losses, 11 um, overtime losses, okay? If you look at the Vancouver Canucks, they had 40 wins, 30 losses, 12 overtime losses. That's 92 points. They were they were right there. They were 18th team in the league. Nashville Predators last year had 45 wins, 30 losses, 7 losses in overtime. I believe that the Sabres need to get over, over 40 wins this year. Like, you're talking about a team last year, 32 wins, and the team went through seven goalies. So I think Four of them shouldn't even have been playing in the American Hockey League. So I think you're with us, Craig, because 40 wins get you 80 points, and then you've got your overtime points. Where Which is probably another 10 points. That gets you up to 90. So yep. that, so that, I, so I think we're all basically falling on the same numbers here is what type of improvement that we need to see in this team uh, moving forward. But all these, all these young players can do magical things out there. If the goaltending was like it was last year, good luck. Well, like I said before, Paulie, Dylan Cousins, Peyton Krebs, Middlestat, Asplin, Quinn, these guys are young. But I'm going to tell you. It's time I don't for think them Paterko to take the, a big step. If if they, as I said, if Aspen moves down into the bottom six, Paterka makes the team. There's not, and I think JJ Paterka should earned making the team. And we'll see how he is in training camp. But from what he did Would last you ever, year, he's earned it. But again, if he's not playing with a decent line, I would rather he play in Rochester than be sitting here playing on a line where you're sitting there going, why is he on that line? Why did you ever he... see a line with uh, Asplin left wing with Gergensen and Oposo? It could work. I just think he, Asplin is, I just think so valuable as a two way forward. And I just love the game. He and cousins played together in that last month of the season, they produced scoring chance after scoring chance that they didn't convert on. 
Well, they got to learn how to convert on those chances, but I thought they played very, very good hockey together. And, uh, Asplund is, you know, isn't I, I JJ know Paterka a two way forward too. Oh yeah. I, I, it's, this is nothing against with way, with this way, nothing way more Paterka. upside skill. Way He's more. not anywhere near the two way forward that Asplund is, but you're right. Paterka is going to score more goals and no more goals are going to wind up in your net too. And, uh, you know, I know none of the three of us are really into analytics, but probably one of the best analytic forwards they've got is Asplund. Um, I, I, I don't That's know why I'm not into analytics. I know. I don't know if there's anybody even better than that, but you can see the play on the ice. You can talk to people off the record, you know, because you know what they're going to say at a microphone, but you know, when, when the microphones aren't on and to just to talk about what the, the value that he has to a team, but he very well could wind up with Gergensen's and Oposo. And then yes, Paterka makes the team because now you have opened up a spot there where to where he can play where he belongs. I don't I'm not saying that I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand why you bring back. It's is nothing to do. He would have found a spot in the league. I don't know why Vinny Henestros is back. Like, I don't know. That's a spot because as a bot as a bottom six guy, 13 forward, like he doesn't have to play every night. There's going to be injuries and Vinny Henestros. He'll have double figure goals. He'll have, he'll have double figure goals by the time he's done. And I, you're, I don't want him playing in my top six. And this team, it's a top nine. Anders Bjork, you haven't talked about him, Paul. <laughs> there's a reason. You know, <laughs> like there's Riley no reason. I mean, like so, you have you, there's three players right there that are taking roster spots away from. But I don't need a guys roster that... spot for for these Sheehan and Bjork. They probably, if if nobody's hurt, they're not in the lineup opening night. They're just. Two, you have three extra guys. There are two of your three extra guys. One of your defensemen is your third. And, you know, they're just depth guys. If they want to wave Bork and put him in Rochester, I'm good. I have, who, I have, a, I have no problem with that. Hey, Paulie, guess who they're paying $791,667 to this year? Rob Ray? No. <laughs> last, <laughs> last year, last year of his buyout history, too. Which which guy are we speaking of? Uh, you tell me. Oh, Bjork. No, Bjork? no, no. There's a player coming off a long time buyout. Uh, oh, uh, um, uh, Cody, Cody Hodgson. Cody Hodgson. Anyway, this is the last year. Yeah, this is this the, the last year, year of his buyout. We've yeah. been pay- we've been paying him for like a decade. Yeah, around there. Yeah, that's why buyouts are Good sometimes. It wasn't a lot of money, so I mean, but. <laughs> If you're paying somebody it's only 800 grand a year, Paul. Yeah, but if you're paying through somebody three, four million on your cap for six years, you know that's that's a little bit different uh, type of a buyout than if you're just paying somebody seven hundred and ninety thousand for six years. That doesn't really. What I meant by not a lot of money, it's not a lot of money for the salary cap. No, not at all. But you know what? You know who one of the lo- well, in my opinion, you know one of the most uh, life, uh, most secure life contracts I've ever seen. Uh, signed and bought out my entire life is the Rick DiPietro contract. That is, <laughs> is there a contract that any athlete would look at and say, would you walk away from the game to get this forever? Bobby Bonilla. Be like, See ya. The New York Mets are still paying Bobby Bonilla and will be for, I don't even know how long. And when was so the like last time he played baseball? 2035 or something I like know. that. <laughs> and when was the last time he was on a baseball field? More than 10 years ago. Jesus. Yeah, the Rick D. Pietro. 
How come you guys didn't get contracts like that, that we're still paying you? uh... You know exactly why. (laughs) You know exactly why. My contract is still paying me, Paul. I get to work with Riv. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Rive 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.